Ford, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. I'm... Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get to rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. We're going to be taking a look at the Big Ten tonight. And when I think about the Big Ten, I don't think that there is a battle in the country that has greater implications than the Ohio State quarterback QB battle from the NFL draft to the college football playoff to, you know, affecting the transfer portal, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that there is a more important um, decision to be made once the fall rolls around than there. But before we get to that, uh, we want to introduce Javon J.J. Parker. What's up? Who is on your screen. Um, Javon emailed us out of the blue. He's a student at Baylor. He's interested in data and modeling. And, uh, maybe about two weeks ago now, he asked to come on and intern for us. So we brought him on. He officially joined the company about 15 minutes ago. And, uh, as soon as he got in the company slack, I said, Javon, would you like to come on the show? So, um, Javon, thanks for, for joining us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I've said something, but tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, I'm JJ or Javon. I go to Baylor. Uh, I played football all through my life. Now I just play intramurals, trying to relive the glory days. And now I, I play dynasty fantasy football and I play it way more than I probably should. And it's become like, like, 90% of my time during my free time. So like what better way um, to like focus my energy into this. He's going to help us capture the hearts and minds of young people <laughs> everywhere here at campus. Canton. Javon, where did you play high school football in Texas? Uh, I played for Vandergrift, which is six a in Austin. And I played, I was a two year starter on varsity I'm pretty sure they went to state this past year, so they're gaining some recognition too. Who who was the best player that you say you, you played against? Best? Um, probably Ryan O'Keefe. He was – I think he played at UCF. Um, Is he at Colorado now? He he might have transferred, but I'm, he, he went to UCF. He was his track guy, but he, he was – probably one of the best players i played against and then i mean i played against deuce vaughn but i don't never lost to deuce vaughn actually i never lost to deuce vaughn and then i also played against colin sullivan who was a colorado um colorado i think he was a four star or something but uh, out of all players i think ryan o'keefe 
probably the toughest. Ryan's at Boston College. Boston College, yeah. Boston College. Boston College. All right. Well, you can catch Javon at Campus Can. He's going to be writing for us. Actually, we don't know it's all he's going to do because he just joined 15 minutes ago, and then I brought him on the show. Actually, we're going to let him host tonight. We'll let him go. No, um, you can catch him on Twitter at Jay Parker seventeen thirty eight. Is that right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. You'll see him more around. We're going to keep him uh, as long as he wants to be there. Appreciate it, JJ. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. Uh, that's 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 pretty cool for a kid to show initiative like that and uh, and say that he wants to come on. So so we're glad to have him. Um, g- getting back to the Big Ten here, we're going to do. Everybody's doing conference previews. We're going to do it our own way. And, Matthew, I want you to give us as much information as you can on how that quarterback room is shaping out. But, but Mox, am I using hyperbole when I say that this is like one of the more, most important, if not the most important battle in the country? No. I mean, it is. If it's not Ohio State, it's Alabama because those are top – two top four teams who are looking for a quarterback, the most important position on the field, and they have battles going to fall camp. I would argue it's Ohio State. Well, I would argue it's Alabama. I would argue it's Alabama too. Because their receivers receivers just aren't aren't up to the level of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mekhek Buka. But this is the second most important battle, if you want to say it that way. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I would lean Alabama with Mox is – I don't think it's unfair for any, we've all said it. So I don't think it's unfair to say that like, if it's not Kyle McCord, we don't see a drop off of any way. If it goes to Devin Brown, where I don't know what we're getting at all from any of these quarterbacks at Alabama. And he, they don't have the talent around them and they're going to play a tougher schedule realistically than Ohio state will either will this year. So Alabama's, I think is a little bit more interesting and intriguing, but Ohio state is definitely right there. Uh, that's kind of why I say that it's Ohio State, not Alabama, because I think that the ceiling for the two quarterbacks at Ohio State is way higher than what we can get from Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, or Tyler Buckner uh, at Alabama. Alabama is going to be a team that runs the ball this year. So get ready, Jace McClellan. Get ready, ready, Jam Miller. Get ready, uh, Justice Haynes, friends of the of the show, Justice Haynes. Um, I, I just from a from a ripple effect standpoint because I. Either McCord or Devin Brown, those guys are potential first-round NFL draft picks. And and Kyle McCord being in his third year, he could have the Dwayne Haskins year one year and then jump to the NFL. That's why I think it's really, really important who wins that battle. I don't know that whoever loses the battle at Alabama is going to necessarily transfer, or even if they did, that it's going to be that impactful of a you know player. And of course, it's impactful, but not as impactful as Ohio State. When I look at these two players, when I look at these two players, both pocket passers, but I see Devin Brown being someone who's more willing to push the envelope downfield, a little bit more of that gunslinger mentality um, where Kyle McCord is a player who's going to make open threes, make layups. That's fine. But I think that Devin Brown has a little bit more flair, a little bit more arm talent to his game. That's why I think that he should get the start. I think it's probably going to end up the same way that CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord did back in 2021, where it was the upperclassmen. I think that's what's going to happen here. Matthew, what is like, what do you know that you can tell us? I mean, I, I do believe that it is somewhat of a battle. Like Ryan Day has said, he, he openly admitted that he wanted to name the starter after the spring game. And I do think the, finger injury to Devin Brown probably threw a wrench into that. Now, if you go back through any of the reports or anything coming out of the camp, Kyle McCord was having more better days than Devin Brown. And some of that I think comes down to knowing the system, but it also seems like he wasn't displaying the gunslinger stuff that we've seen Devin Brown do. And Ryan day kind of openly has admitted multiple times that it, at this point, something we just talked about, the, the the weapons around this quarterback for Ohio State, he wants you to make the routine play routinely. He's not looking for you to make the incredible play. He wants you to get the ball to the players when he calls it uh, because he feels like this team can win a national championship. 
I know that Devin Brown, I believe, from what I was told, was already back throwing two weeks after the spring game. So clearly that finger injury was not as bad as anybody might have thought it was. I mean, it sucks that he wasn't able to play in the spring game. Was already back throwing. They've both been in there for the summer workouts, working out. I have been told, I don't know. Fuck, I don't know how. I just Go ahead. Do it. Go ahead. Do it. There is some belief in the room that this is being strung along because Ryan Day does not want Devin Brown to leave because he is terrified of Tristan Jebbia being the quarterback behind Kyle McCord if anything goes wrong. I honestly don't know how much I do believe that because I do think Devin Devin Brown had good days. He did. They had the uh, game against the Ohio State defense where I believe he actually had, the, even though he didn't throw a touchdown, I believe Kyle McCord was the only one who threw two, but the reports were that Devin Brown looked better. I think we will find out fairly soon into fall camp who the actual starter is going to be, and I think they start up in two weeks. So, like, it's getting here quickly. They'll, they'll be starting up their fall camp. I imagine probably by the second week, they usually do a big fall scrimmage. I think Ryan Day will announce the starter at that point. We need to be paying very close attention to what the reports are. I would lean. I know people are going to say it's my bias, so fine, whatever. I would lean at this moment, Kyle McCord. But I'm not saying that he is sewn up this job at all. Like, I'm not leaning 90-10. It's probably closer to, like, 60-40 because I do think Devin Brown has a chance to win the job. I'm trying to see if my uh, position that Devin Brown is more of a downfield passer, if that's supported by numbers, objective evidence. Um, I know we use a lot of anecdotal evidence around here. I can't find Kyle McCord stats, but in his senior season, Devin Brown averaged 19 yards per attempt. <laughs> he averaged almost 20 yards, almost 20 yards per attempt uh, down there at Draper, Utah, uh, throwing for almost 5,000 yards, 4,881. Um, I would like to get, I, I think I've said last year that I thought that he was, had the strongest arm in the country. And that's because you saw him make some of these throws that require a low trajectory between, you know, seven and 10 yards off the ground that need to be on a line. Um, you saw him make some of those throws opposite hash throws, uh, very comfortably, but I would like to get big wide receiver guy and solving football, get their, um, velocity over expected to, you know, further see if that's accurate, if he has a higher velocity over expected. Mox, any additional thoughts on this quarterback battle? I think Devin Brown has a higher ceiling for this offense, but I expect it to be McCord because of what Matt said earlier, that he knows the system is probably a safer play. Now that Brown doesn't know the system, I mean, he's been there for a year, but McCord's had starting experience. Like, it, yeah, he is the guy that I expect to start. Yeah, and, and I should I should preface, so 19 yards per attempt, if we're using college standards, anything over 10 is considered to be, you know, really, really good, to be almost double that. Now, it's high school, you know, uh, Devin Brown went to high school in Utah, Kyle McCord went to high school in Philadelphia, it's probably not comparable, I'll try to, I'll try to see if I can find it, um, but 19 yards per attempt is, is, is in, insane, at least um, looking at it from my perspective. Let's stay at the quarterback position here. Uh, I think after Devin, so there's 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 a tier in for Devin perspective. You're looking at guys who have seventeen point nine. I have his entire career stats, uh, so I was trying to pull it on up. your I'm phone. Not, yeah, <laughs> someone sent. I have a breakdown of what he's done every single. So seventeen point nine. It's a screensaver. And who was he throwing to <laughs> there? In oh, he had Marvin Harrison Jr. But I will exactly. also mention. In, Sounds in, good. Fair defense of him, while Devin Brown probably played better competition throughout his entire high school career, in McCord's second year, in his first year starting, or he was technically started his uh, freshman year, but in his first full year as a starter as a sophomore, they went and played some of the best schools in the country, including the IMG Academy and everything, and still went on and beat them. So not like he was playing Julian Fleming's type of competition his entire high school career. He, he played good teams. But yes, he did have Marvin Harrison Jr., arguably one of the best wide receivers in college we've seen in a while playing with them uh if we continue to look at the quarterback position i think for the purposes of debbie projecting guys to the nfl you know guys who can get day one day two nfl draft capital to me it's a tier of three maybe at the top with drew all or devin brown kyle mccord just in the big 10 and then jj mccarthy mox can mccarthy 
turn into the quarterback three in this draft class. Former five-star quarterback. You got Drake May and Caleb Williams at the top. We need a third guy. I mean, people don't think it's going to be Michael Penix Jr. People think don't think it's going to be Bo Nix. Could it be the athletic but somewhat hidden by his offense, J.J. McCarthy? I mean, anything is possible, right? That's what that's what Kevin Garnett said. Um, yeah, but no, I have I have no idea. I, I just don't subscribe to the idea that J.J. McCarthy can take this massive step between what we saw his first two years and this next year because this is a quarterback who's super, I don't want to say unrefined because maybe that's not the right word, over-reliant on play action, um, doesn't really offer much inside of structure, doesn't really make – I see him make a lot of mistakes in his reads. Like he, he's always like a little bit late. There's just a lot of issues that when you put them all together, is that a player who can break out and, and become a top tier NFL prospect? I don't think so personally, but I mean, who's, who else are you going to pick in this conference? You're not going to be picking Gavin Wimsat, right? <laughs> like McCarthy is probably the odds on favorite to be the third best quarterback in this conference this year. Yeah. I mean, I, to, to, to pull a Felix here, the first time someone shows me J.J. McCarthy make a good throw will be that the first time. Like, he he does not make NFL throws. Everybody points to the Ohio State game where he's hitting wide open, wide receivers. I mean, it took him beating up on a very, very bad Hawaii team to even lock up this job over Cade McNamara. Like, I have no doubt that he can continue to improve, but there's just... This is his third year in college, second year starting. He did play some as a freshman, but full second year starting, right? We haven't seen any kind of real step forward, and I don't know that it's coming in his third year. And again, in an offense that I think is going to be limited. Like, if we were talking about him being with Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, Garrett Riley, Kalen DeBoer, maybe I'd be like, okay, I could see these guys possibly developing something for J.J. McCarthy. I just don't see that happening in Michigan. I know all the reports are, quote-unquote, they're going to open this offense up. I, when I see it, I'll believe it. I just And I agree with Mox. Like, we've seen it too much, too. I'll use Will Levis as an example here. When you're late on throws in college, you can get away with it because everything's just a tad bit slower. You can't get away with that at the NFL level, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing that hurts him regardless of where he gets drafted, if he does go into the draft after this year, moving into the NFL. You know, J.J. McCarthy is a really good athlete. I mean, he's a guy that probably can run a 4-6 at the combine, but we don't see him ever really run or be, be a focal point in the running game. I'm just saying hypothetically. If you wanted to open him up and show the type of player that he is, you could do what – Michigan could do what Sam Howell did what UNC did with Sam Howell is last year and make him a part of the running game. Matt, why we haven't even seen Drew Aller play. Not really. And most people have Drew Aller over JJ McCarthy, who just made the playoff. Why? Why Drew Aller at Penn State over JJ? I mean, number one, he plays within an offense. Uh, the one thing I'll, I'll say with McCarthy and I, I, Austin, well, listen, Austin, <laughs> Austin has always said this. He doesn't play within structure. Drew Alar is not looking for the play to break down to make a play. And you can say whatever you want about that. He did this pass against Ohio. This It was still an NFL throw to the back of the end zone. The defender was right in front of, I don't remember who the wide receiver was, it, the, the defender was right in front of his wide receiver in the back of the end zone, and he put it in the perfect spot. That's an NFL throw. Again, I've never seen J.J. McCarthy make that. I think Drew Allard's got a better arm. He's not going to be as athletic as J.J. McCarthy, but I think his mechanics are already more sound. And this is a guy who, again, was not playing quarterback his entire life like J.J. McCarthy has. He didn't start playing, I believe, it was until his sophomore year in high school. I want to say they had him as a, was it a linebacker. I don't remember what he was doing, but it wasn't quarterback. And I've seen, maybe fair or unfair here for this knock on J.J. McCarthy, I've seen Drew Allar continue to work on improving his mechanics and his uh, his release. We see so, all Something the time. that he was working on in college, yeah. he had a wonky release, and he worked on it with a – I forgot the quarterback's coach, but he worked on it with a specific quarterback's coach to improve that. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's continually improved that, and I think we're – people will are knocking him because they feel like what he's done was against – Ohio and what was the game? What was it? Was it West Virginia? What was the game that he came into when Sean Clifford got he, hurt? That was the first game of the season last year. 
Was it again? I don't remember who I, they played. I don't remember. I don't remember. I, oh, he Purdue, had good throws Purdue. against, Purdue. Purdue. against Purdue. Purdue. is the games where he had the corner route to the tight end that the tight yeah. end dropped. He threw it exactly two all three yeah. of his passes. He the first both of them on that drive that he came in were dropped. Neither one were his fault, and that was him getting forced into situation. I believe Penn State was down. I remember I was at the hospital watching it on my phone to be honest, but I remember like watching it. I'm like, dude. This dude, true freshman, steps on the field in a massive game. It was the opening night game Thursday night against a Purdue team. And Sean Clifford's out. We don't know Sean Clifford's coming back and just dropping dimes. Like, I think once we get a chance to actually see him playing, we will. there will be no question about who is the better talent overall. Can I, uh, I, can I say one thing about J.J. McCarthy? Yeah. I am very skeptical that he makes the jump, but a lot of people have talked about um, this new quarterback coach that they have, or I guess he was promoted internally, Kurt Campbell, and how JJ's making strides under him. That's that might be out of Michigan propaganda, but it is. It's the If we're going to use that logic for Drew Allar, we should use it for JJ McCarthy. To be fair, hey, he's improving his mechanics. Hey, he's working on this. Hey, he's doing all all of this stuff. I don't think that JJ McCarthy. I think JJ McCarthy is a much further way to go than Drew Allar does. Also, Drew Allar is like like six five, two forty five. Like this, not maybe not two forty five. That's probably heavy, but he's a big dude. No, and it's actually close to that. You might not be wrong. Yeah, I mean he's big. He's really big. JJ McCarthy is like six three and under two hundred. He's a little string bean out running out there. He is six five, two forty three on Penn State's website. So you oh man, I was darn, I was darn close. Uh, this is what I want to say about Drew Allar. Any, anytime I'm watching a high school player or even a college player, I'm looking for plays that I consider Sunday plays, plays that you don't normally see. And one that I see consistently with uh, with Drew Allar is when the pocket breaks down and he has to make a play, he keeps his eyes downfield and can still throw the, the ball downfield um, uh, off of his base, off of his platform. But when he's in the pocket and he has to make a play within structure, you see him make, and I've said this a bunch on this show, anticipatory throws. What I mean by that is, is the ball is out of his hand and he's looking at it and the wide receiver hasn't even looked. The defenders don't know where, it, you know, where the wide receiver is breaking, that sort of thing. Like he's throwing to a spot and it hits a, a wide receiver in the hands. You just don't really see that uh, at the high school level because a lot of quarterback, people even accuse Dak Prescott of this. When you talk about a see it before you throw it quarterback, that's what they mean is that they're not someone who can anticipate where a window is. I've posted like three different throws where where um, Drew Aller is throwing the ball, and you're like, "Where's the receipt? Where's the receiver going to?" And you know, he completes the pass. Some backed up into his own end zone. Some like in really tough situations. That it's really advanced level throwing, in my opinion, from the quarterback position. And I want to it, point out the ones that you have posted. I believe are from his junior year in high school, which again at that point in time was his second. Full year starting as an actual quarterback, and he was already making those throws. And JJ McCarthy, not that he, I have I have not watched his film to the point where I I will say that he's not making anticipatory throws. But you see that interception that I threw against TCU, and I'm like, this is this is a dude who is looking. He needs to see it before it happens, and he just read it wrong, like immediately into the hand of the defender but here nor there he's got the tools and some people like him think dang brugler has him in this top five right top five what pick what quarterbacks for 2023 draft i mean yeah that, that doesn't mean he'll go in the i don't think that 2023 is gonna have remember when everybody told us that there were gonna be five quarterbacks go in the 2023 nfl draft everybody said will levis was gonna go who who's a better prospect entering their final potential final year will levis or J.J. McCarthy. So J.J. McCarthy to me is less likely to make the, oh, snap, you lost us the game play. And that's a big deal to yeah. me. They probably have similar, <laughs> they have similar physical traits. But when you fumble, get pick six, sack six, that sort of stuff, I, I can't, can't mess with you. All right, um, so Big Ten, the quarterbacks, Drew Aller, I think is a tier on his own. Devin Brown, Kyle McCord, J.J. McCarthy after that. Who's next after that? Is it Tanner Mordecai? Is it I, – I mean, it could be Lincoln Kineholtz. We just stay in the Ohio State quarterback quarterback room. Matt, who would you – I mean, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot because we haven't had a lot of time. Uh, that's a good question. I really have 
I mean, there's not a good answer here. I mean, I would look toward freshmen. I mean, I still think Sam Levitt has the tools, but he's in a really bad offense. I think that's really it. I, mean, I don't like anybody at Purdue. It's not going to be Hudson Carr. It's not going to be Gavin Wimsat. I mean, I know I'll no. probably piss him. I mean, Chris K's already losing his mind in the CFF slack, so I'm probably going to piss him. Say more one bad thing about his J.J. McCarthy. It might be Nick Evers with the offense. I mean, if, if they Nick can Evers turn it around. going to start. Nick Evers at Wisconsin is not even a starter. What are you talking about? You said the next best. I mean, Lincoln Kynold isn't going to start. And probably, too. Lincoln Kynold is probably never going to start at Ohio State. <laughs> at Ohio I'll be State. Honest with you. So, I mean, I'm just naming names here. There's, can there's not can a lot I just, of great Can I just answer the question? Because it's yeah, it's too too late attack of Atlanta. Is who it no, is. No, it's not. He's horrible. But go ahead. What you're naming Nick Evers, who was like the fifth string quarterback behind a walk on at Oklahoma over Tulia. Yeah, I think he's right. got Tulia has issues. Don't get me wrong. Like he he is obviously not his brother. But who? I I mean maybe it's Caden McNamara, Hudson Card. Hey hey, you want to you want to make a bet for three years down the road that at least Nick Evers probably gets drafted because Tulia is going undrafted. I don't care if it's in oh, the seventh round. If Nick Nick Evers is not getting drafted, yes, and it, I think Tuli actually does get drafted. No, he won't. Look, the what I'm very did Nick much Evers start the Red Rock Rivals. Uh, not start. No, he didn't did he play. play he didn't the, play no, he didn't. No, yeah, he, he was probably I mean, sat yeah, home in Norman because they don't. He didn't even travel. Pecky, Pecky, he, he, did play. In, he got he in. They were terrible. Yeah, they were so bad in that game last year. The I Oklahoma staff like, like let him walk. They were very unimpressed with him last year. I don't, talk about him over totally attacking like, like a four year starter with, with Mike Valerie that the NFL bloodlines part doesn't matter because it does. But Talia is not getting drafted because of his last name. I don't think he's got any of the tools to really get drafted either. Personally, Jay brings up a comment in the chat, and I think that he's right. We have not said the name the Greek rifle Ethan Kalamanis at Minnesota. He is he'll, he will be when he can be a three year starter. He can start for three years. He has uh, three years of eligibility remaining. He's a four star prospect, probably one of the better quarterback prospects that Minnesota has had recently. Minnesota always focused on the ground game, but he's probably a better quarterback than Tanner Morgan. And when you look at what Minnesota has offensively, Elijah Spencer, Daniel Jackson. Um, there's another wide receiver that I'm forgetting. Oh, Corey Crooms, who transferred from uh, Western Michigan. This could be the year that Minnesota relies a little bit more on the passing game. And if you look around the Big Ten, Aiden Calamanis has got gotten to play last year. He played against Penn State. He played against somebody last year and played well. I think that he's a name that we at least need to tag and say, maybe, maybe. Okay. I mean, sure. He's probably worth your last pick and to see what happens. I'm not going to say no. We, we've seen – uh, why is his name not in who the head coach? Why why can't I think of the head PJ coach? PJ Fleck, Fleck, row the boat. PJ, yeah, yeah. PJ Fleck. He he's done well with quarterbacks on the college side, I guess. Like he's made them productive. I mean, he ain't he's not he don't have anybody to throw the ball to. This team's not gonna be good. So maybe I mean, he's, well, he's got Elijah Spencer's probably their best wide receiver currently. I mean, I, Daniel Jackson was yeah, a good player. They got a couple. I thought that so, was, was, so was Corey Coombe. Coombs. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. And, and Brevin Span Ford, I don't like. He's six foot. Chris Hoffman Bell. Yards. Like it's a deep room. It's a deep. It's a deep room. Brevin, Brevin Span Ford, six seven, Very tight end, two hundred seventy pounds. He's huge. I don't like the the way he plays at that size. Not a fluid athlete. He's not overly physical. But he is a good Big Ten tight end. So there are some weapons there at Minnesota. Um, I don't. I don't like. Ethan Kalik Manis, for what it's worth. I just don't, I like, I have seen him play. He threw over 100 passes last year. I've seen him in both spring games twice. And every time I've watched him, I'm like, this dude cannot play football at a power five level. He's got the athleticism and he's got the tools. And that's what everybody's latching on to. Then you hear Bud Elliott Summer School and the Minnesota guy comes on and they're raving about him. And I'm like, did we watch the same player? Because this dude, I, like I, I don't know. I, I every time I've seen him, I'm like, this dude can't just can't play football at a power five level. But he's got tools, so do with that what you will. Tools, people. He he played um, a decent amount. It looks like four games last year, and his he best played in Wisconsin and Penn State, right? Yeah, Wisconsin looks like Wisconsin and Penn State. Yes, with a whopping forty point nine and a forty six point seven completion percentage. Uh, no touchdowns, <laughs> one interception. So you mean just we'll seven? See. So just seven points less than Quinn Ewers. Correct? That's correct. Okay. 
Um, let's. Uh, <laughs> this is the this is the Big Ten, not the Big Twelve. So one one school we haven't talked about here at all at the quarterback position is Michigan State. They lose Peyton Thorne. Um, they have two four star prospects there now who are not going to start, and Sam Levitt who offers a little bit of a dual threat ability and then Katen Hauser, Kattenhauser, who went to, you know, one of the, the one of the powerhouses in high school football at St. John Bosco. Matt, you like both of these guys. Well, I know you liked Hauser. Yeah. I didn't really see anything from either either of them, even though Hauser is the highest rated quarterback recruit in East Lansing since Jeff Smoker. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that he was done a disservice in high school uh having to split time his entire junior and senior years with Pierce Clarkson, who, by the way, I don't like Pierce Clarkson either. So that well, St. John Bosco quarterback room was just. So I asked some people uh, about uh, that because I don't think I think Pierce Clarkson's okay. I don't think he's anything special. I think he's a good quarterback, and a lot of that comes from the fact that his dad is probably regarded as one of the best QB coaches in California. So I think it's probably hard for a coach to tell that guy that hey, your son's not going to play. So they split time. I talked about this. Go check out our video on the YouTube channel. Me and me and Felix broke this down a little bit for what we think was going to happen with Michigan State. You know, he had it. Hauser had a much better year than Clarkson in his senior season. Actually, put up some pretty decent stats again against good competition. St. John Bosco typically plays one of the top ten strongest strength of schedules in, in all of high school every single year. He brings some dual threat ability. Uh, you know, something we talk a lot about on the recruiting team. He was only seventeen years old last year, so he's fairly young for the class. I do think he's got a fairly strong arm, and I do think he has the leg up on Sam Levitt, who I do believe is better. I do think Sam Levitt is better. I do think he's actually one of the better quarterbacks in this conference overall, but he still has not made it to Michigan State. I don't see there's how there's any way he ends up on the field unless both Noah Kim and, and, and Hauser both get injured because like he's just not going to know the offense. He's not going to know the game. Like I, I think it's going to be hard for him to get on the field. I, I've kicked back against this a lot. But Nate Marquise is just continues to drop facts when it comes to this. We just don't see freshmen start anymore. We just don't. It's Bo Nix is the last one to start from the full season. I think the last one was was Green, right? Talon Green. I don't even think he was a true freshman last year when he when he got in on the field of Boise State. So we just don't see true freshmen start that much. I, I no, do think Hauser's a better player, though. Better than Noah Kim. I think Noah Kim's fine, and he's probably going to start the season as Michigan State's quarterback. If for some reason you're tuning into this show for the very first time, um, we're all from campus to Canton.com. We play in campus to Canton leagues, which to make a long story short, you have a college fantasy team and you're trying to get players that will eventually develop into NFL draft picks and be on your NFL team or transferred over. I don't have a Michigan state player rostered anywhere. I had Keon Coleman, who's now at Michigan state. I think the Florida um, state who, that Florida state, that Florida state now, but uh, there's the uh, who's the, what's the tight end? The tight end Malik, Malik Carr. Malik Carr. Malik Carr might be the one that you could roster, but there's the Jalen Berger days are over. Like there's nobody. Sam Levitt is getting drafted by somebody, not by me. But Michigan State feels like a team that's going to win like five games this year. Be really boring it's offensively. That. I mean, we've we've talked about how they're only I think twelve point dogs to Washington in week one or week two, week two. um yeah <laughs> i mean wash is gonna just crush it's gonna crush them yeah but i but i mean i would roster nathan carter who's a uconn transfer into minnesota to michigan state by the way if we're if well, we're just gonna position mocks give us a break run, run, running back i think that he yeah. he's gonna be the number one guy in that in that room uh and i thought he was actually pretty good at uh uconn i mean you don't have a lot of opportunity to shine yeah he, i think he's a good yeah. player he had some very good fantasy days. I know there's a couple leagues yeah. I picked him up in. He was he was good. I mean, they have was it Jaron Manningham and Jordan Mangum? Mangum, yeah, Mangum. The, Are they the kid from uh, USF. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, Carter is going to be solidified in that running back spot. Uh, Washington is a team that has playoff aspirations. Dominating Michigan State in East Lansing could be a feather in their cap. So that might be a game where just like Georgia and and uh, Oregon last year, even though that that was at a neutral site, this could be where Washington says we're going to get us ourselves a 21 point win, a 28 point win on the road in the Big Ten against the Power Five team, even though Michigan State isn't that good. I mean, it might be 48 to 10. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be bad. Michigan State's defense is it's, just as bad as their offense. Can't yeah, you buy points? If, you, if I gave you over <laughs> under 15 and a half, you would still take. I'd take the over. I'd you'd still take you'd over. still take Washington I, covering 
Yeah. So I, I actually think it's a really right play for like a 17 all line. Um, when I, I mean, I'm sure that number is available on, on a, like probably a bet three, six, five or something like that. So I, I don't know what the number is off the top of my head. That probably plus. And, and by the way, one of, one of Michael Penix's best games of his career was uh, Indiana at Minnesota in what, like 2020 or so. I can't, I don't remember if they won that game. I think they won that game in the fourth quarter, if I remember correctly, or maybe he put him up. I got to go back and look at the stats. I should have Washington crushed him last year too. Like this is a home and home yeah. series that they have. Washington destroyed him because they Washington, Washington has an NFL quarterback, two NFL receivers in an outside guy in uh, Roma Dunes, a slot guy, Jalen McMillan. I mean, they protect Michael Penix jr. That was always the problem at Indiana. They didn't know how to protect him. That dude is, has one of the better arms in the country. And he's what, like a sixth year, fifth year player. So he's, and, he's gonna... and on defense, right. They, they have two edge rushers who are first and second team pack 12. <laughs> like this team is going to destroy Michigan State. Sorry, Michigan State fans. What Washington's getting eleven and a half right now. Oh, oh, God. right. That's not nearly enough. No, it's not. No. No. And it, it opened under ten. By the way, it opened at nine or nine and a half. Crazy number. When I look at this conference and the quarterback, you know, off the beaten path that I'm not hearing people talk about. That I want to, you know, watch. It's Cal Swanson at Illinois, freshman at Illinois. I think he came from. He came from, as a matter of fact, he came from Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma. Neither Oklahoma nor Oklahoma State, Texas, all the the uh, schools that recruit that area offered him. The only FBS offer that he received was from Illinois. But when I watch him, I see a guy. First of all, his velocity over expected. So basically, how much velocity they have on passes. That's an objective metric. He's fourth in this class, and if you if you guys haven't paid attention, the freshman quarterback class is stacked. Arch Manning, Dante Moore, Nick, Nicholas Iamalieva, um, Jackson Arnold, all those guys going to big programs, and this is a, a heralded quarterback class. Cal Swanson is fourth as far as velocity, but he also has dual threat ability, um, but he just played on a really bad high school team. I think they went like three and seven or something like that his senior year. You see guys, you see pressure getting into him immediately. You see wide receivers dropping passes. I think Cal Swanson is a good team. And by the way, I think that what Brett Bielema is doing at Illinois, that that's a program that might be one to be reckoned with, one that could be on the same level of Wisconsin in a few years or so. We know that they're going to run the ball. I mean, he comes from that Wisconsin tree. Um and so, but anyway, Cal Swanson, dual threat ability, gunslinger, playmaker, chip on his shoulder. He only got one FBS offer. He would be one I'm paying attention to. Uh, Mox or Matt, any quarterbacks that you're like, all right, let me just, I mean, we've kind of said every name in this, in this, in the conference, except for, except for the guys that, uh, have we said everybody, except for Cade McNamara. Cade McNamara is like the only name we haven't said yet. I, I kind of like uh, a Johnny Shepard, the quarterback going to Rutgers for a lot of kind of the same reasons that uh, you like Kelsey wants. Like he's kind of a bigger dude. He's pretty athletic. I think that he is in a room where he can like step in pretty quickly. If I don't think Gavin Wimps has, has the goods. Um, Evan Simon, if he's even still there, I don't think has the goods. So Shepard's a pretty interesting player. Um, I think he's pretty athletic at his size too. Uh well- I thought Shepard was going to Justice's school. No, oh, he's at Rutgers. No, um, are you sure? Old, Old Dominion. Oh, yeah, he's at Rutgers. He's on the twenty thirty three roster. Oh, okay, I thought he was going to Old Dominion. But he's he's a pretty interesting he's a pretty interesting player. I I like him. Just late I, late in drafts, see if he's even getting drafted. And I'm and we're all in a draft together right now. I love campus to Canton leagues because. It, you, there's new discovery. Like I've never heard Johnny Shepard's name before. And of course I can count on Moss for giving me a name that he made up. That's not even real. I just, um, I just actually drafted him in the league. It was a 2014 CFF dynasty league. And I took him in like the 40th round. It's like the thousands pick overall. Let's move to the running back position here. Um, mine Williams is good. Everyone agrees. Correct. Austin agrees. He just took and him in the 10th round of a draft. Austin stabs me in the back after I have been mocked. I'm, I have literally been mocked and ridiculed on this program for telling you that Mayan Williams was good. Austin 
the main culprit takes him ahead of me in the 10th round of this draft. So, Matthew, I mean, you're the Ohio State fan. Not only is he – I think Noah was watching earlier. I think Noah agrees with me that Mayan Williams is good. The, the thing about Mayan Williams that you all don't like is you all are recruiting stars simps, and he's just a three-star prospect. He doesn't have breakaway speed, but every single carry is a boxing match. It's the same thing that I liked about Ramondre Stevenson, some of these bigger backs. Like, they, they're not players – that you want to tackle Matthew admit that mine Williams is good. So we can move on. Yes. Recruit recruiting star simp. The guy who told you three-star Quinshawn Judkins was going to be a star, but yeah, I, I'm all about those five-star running backs. He's fine. Don't deflect. Like, Don't deflect. I'm not, t- I've never said that he's a bad running back. I just, I, my argument was always, he's not better than Travion Henderson. You're like, he's going to start. He's going to be better, better than, than Henderson. Henderson. He he's is. not better than Henderson. But he's a very good running back. He's going to get drafted next year probably day three but i know you'll throw it you'll if he gets drafted day two you'll jump into the stream with cigar and a sports coat on again and be like thank me thank <laughs> Shoot. me all over. shooting from deep shooting from deep yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yes i did jump into the stream with a blazer on and a cigar and my sunglasses when anthony richardson was taken fourth overall to the indianapolis colts Another player that I was mocked and ridiculed on. Shoot, when I look at the Lance from deep, of a number number nine overall quarterback in his class. Okay, um, <laughs> let's go. So there's a lot of different ways we could go in the Big Ten at the running back position. I think that Caleb Johnson is a name at Iowa that is not mentioned enough because of how that Iowa offense played last year. But he has NFL size. He is going to start for this team for three years, going into his second year. Um, Mox, I mean, f- from a CFF perspective, is he someone we should be valuing? I'm guessing no, because it's Iowa. Yeah, I just don't know how many like touchdown opportunities they have, right? Like, Brian Ferentz's contract this year stipulates that he has to score 25 points per game. There is not another coordinator in the country with that type of stipulation, which tells you how bad this offensive performance has been over the last, or over really Brian Ferentz's whole tenure, um, because he is simply a nepotism hire and he should not be coaching a power five level at all for any reason whatsoever. And the only reason that they get around the nepotism uh, clause that Ohio, Iowa specifically has at their school is because Brian Ferentz reports to the athletic director. The most important man in that athletic in that athletics room is Kirk Ferentz. Guess who the athletic director listens to? Here, neither here nor there. I kind of like Caleb Johnson, the player. I Matthew. you give me a chance to talk about Brian Ferentz and and what he's how he's defrauding Iowa. I will. Yeah, I, I think that he is an interesting player. I actually think he might have a chance to score a decent amount of touchdowns this year. While I don't disagree with Mox on how bad Brian Ferentz is, you know this offense could be better than what we saw last year. They didn't have a, I would say, even comp. You would hope so. They were 133rd in offensive production. I'm just saying. They didn't have anybody that was even worth. I'm surprised the guys that they had playing last year were actually starting for a college football team. Say what you want about Cade McNamara. I don't think he's an NFL player in any sort of way, but I do think he is a okay college quarterback with as good as this defense is they're going to get turnovers they're going to put this offense in better positions like they did last year and i think they'll have a chance to capitalize on it so caleb johnson is definitely probably the only player on iowa worth rostering outside of the tight ends and and possibly playing caleb johnson six foot 222 pounds oftentimes that is enough he has a 200 yard game against purdue overall on the season Uh, 151 carries, 779 yards rushing, 5.2 yards per attempt, and six TDs. If he had done that at Ohio State, people would be losing their minds over Caleb Johnson. He would be a a first or second round startup pick in C2C drafts if he did that at Ohio State, if he did that at Penn State, if he did that at, you know, one of these bigger, uh, one of these blue blood teams. Caleb Johnson, we're not saying his name enough. Um, Wisconsin, Braylon Allen, Matt, is he a better prospect than A.J. Dillon? That's a good question. 
I don't remember how good what? receiver AJ Dillon was. That, that was I was trying to think of that. So probably yes, because he's got the si- he's going to have the size and the speed. He's definitely going to test faster, I think, than AJ Dillon. So he's got the size. I mean, what is he listed at now? Two thirty something. He, he's going to have speed. He's going to put up stats this year. Wisconsin's always going to have a very good offensive line. One thing I will say, and, and I brought this up before. With Phil Longo, we talk so much about how what he does for wide receivers and quarterbacks, but he throws to his running backs a ton, going even back before North Carolina. I can't remember who it was, but he made both those guys look like they were really good. Uh, Jerry on Ely? Michael. My- yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, there was Jerry on Ely, and it was Ole Miss. Yeah. Jerry on Ely, who had incredible receiving production there. Obviously, Javante Williams and Michael Carter both, I believe, had upwards of 20-plus catches in both their years. Both of them did at his time in North Carolina. And the one thing I will say with Wisconsin running backs, you go all the way back through the time of Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Monte Ball, all these guys who we all talked about could not catch the ball. In their final seasons with Wisconsin, you saw a massive jump in receptions for every single one of them. He's had, I think, 20 catches on his career. My argument is not that Braylon Allen can't catch the ball. He just doesn't look comfortable doing it. That's my issue with him. Uh, he can catch the ball. He had 20 catches last year. You can't tell me he can't catch it. He just doesn't look comfortable catching the ball. He doesn't look like a natural receiving back. Doesn't mean they can't get there. As everybody's going to tell you, we're going to hear about it all year. Any any ESPN game you watch, I don't know if they'll be on ESPN. Any national coverage, oh, he's only 18 years old. Guys, he's going to be amazing. Yeah, he's great. He's going to be fine. He probably He's going to get drafted higher than A.J. Dillon went. I just don't think he is, if we're talking pure fantasy, I think he's going to smash for you on CFF. I have questions about what his fantasy ceiling is in the NFL person. That's always been my contention with him. So uh, you mentioned his weight. Wisconsin doesn't actually have a weight listed for him, just his height. ESPN lists him, lists him at 6'2", 240 pounds, and that sounds about right. Um, I think that he's one of the safer prospects that you can grab in the first or second round of of C2Cs. He's going to smash for CFF. He's going to be an RB1 or RB2. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. And I think his sure. draft capital is probably locked in because, you know, he, he's a better prospect, in my opinion, than A.J. Dillon because he has more wiggle, more lateral agility at the same or similar size to A.J. Dillon and more speed than A.J. Dillon. If Braylon Allen was taken at the end of the first round, like Rashad Penny or, or, um, Sony Michelle, uh, that wouldn't necessarily surprise me. I, I, I've had, I've got Braylon Allen in a lot of places. I've recently had some folks try to, try to, you know, tr- offer trades for him. I'm like, no. I mean, he's going to help me win on the college side. He's probably, I, he doesn't, he's not flashy. But I don't think you necessarily have to be flashy to be fantasy relevant. TJ Duckett, whether it be TJ Duckett, Brandon Jacobs, um, you know, some of these, but. He, he he's not as good of, of a prospect as Ramondre Stevenson, and he doesn't catch the ball as well. But I don't think you necessarily need to be somebody who's going to break off sixty-yard touchdowns, catch forty yards. You know, his value might come from catching twenty passes and having twelve touchdowns in the NFL per season. That's that might be where his value comes from. Well, I mean, all of all of his value last year came from he would he would be at the end of the fourth quarter, and his stat line would be like. 20 carries for 50 yards, and then you'd break off a 70-yard run, and you're like, oh, sweet. What a great week Bray- yeah. Braylon Allen had, and that's kind of the player that he was. He's a much better prospect, in my opinion, than A.J. Dillon was. Like I, uh, There was a collective shock when A.J. Dillon went round two to the Packers, because I don't think anybody yeah. was prepared to him to even go day two. But I don't. A.J. Uh, Dillon's also, also a really good athlete, by the way. He's a 98th percentile speed score and 90th percentile burst score. So I don't, don't want to di- discount it. I don't know if he still listens, but Kane Fassell was very much on the A.J. Dillon train. I, I, I will give Kane some props there and some love. He he very much touted A.J. Dillon for a very long time. There's even a chance that A.J. Dillon has a better career in the NFL than he did in college because yeah. at Wisconsin, there's no second level. You've got eight, nine in the box at all times. So, you know, there, there's a reason why he gets one yard, one yard 70 because that wash gets all up in the line of scrimmage and then – once he gets past it, there's no second level. He runs to the house. Um, that's that's a sustainable. That's a sustainable way to play. By the way, like Saquon Barkley is not all that different from from that. And neither, neither really is Nick Singleton. Like like two, three, one, and then I, I, I disagree. I disagree. I, I, that's how Barkley played a lot at, at his first couple of years it in is. New York. Yes. Bar- what, what I'm what I'm saying is is that 
Allen will not have eight, nine man boxes if he plays for pretty much any NFL team. I mean, you know, Um, Mox, can you talk to me a little bit about Minnesota's backfield? Because uh, just to tee this up for you, Muhammad Abraham, a guy that in campus to Canton you would rely on (laughs) maybe the RB1, gets a lot of volume there. At one point, they had Muhammad Abraham, Bucky Irvin, and Trayson Potts. I loved Trayson Potts, what I saw from him as a backup to Muhammad Abraham. He's not there now. He goes to play at Penn State to back up both Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Muhammad Abraham is actually with my Detroit Lions now. Bucky Irving is now in, uh, in Oregon. What do you expect from this backfield? This Minnesota backfield has been so profitable for us in the past. Yeah, it's it's going to be a little bit different, I think, this year. Uh, PJ Flex kind of utilized an RB1 and kind of given them the workload over time. And you could do that when it was Mo Ibrahim, right? He's he's big back, um, and he obviously performed really well there. Sean Tyler, I think, is going to be the, the 1A there. And, I mean, he's an undersized back, explosive, coming in from Western Michigan. think he's a really good player. Don't know that he can shoulder a huge workload. I mean, he's he's pretty tiny. Um, but I do like the two backs behind him. I, think I We really liked Zach Evans last year. I thought Zach Evans played well in the spring game when we saw him. Um, Darius Taylor is also a good, good player. I expect like a way more of a rotation than we've seen the last couple of years. Just because just because Tyler, who's who's a really effective back, can't, can't – I, I mean, I don't see him carrying it more than like 150 times. I mean, he did that at Western Michigan last year, but out of necessity – I don't think they want to use him that way, especially in, especially in the Big Ten. Uh, Darius Taylor is a player that I've been a freshman at Minnesota who I've been trying to get my hands on. I haven't been able to just yet, but he's, you know, one of those guys, if you're in a supplemental draft and it's the 15th round, actually anything after the 10th round, I would, I would take a look at him. Um, okay, if we look at the conference overall from the running back position, to me, Nick Singleton, he's been my RB1 for a while. It's him in a class of his own. Miss, uh, Penn State better be good this year because we're calling Drew Aller. We're calling Penn State. <laughs> we're calling Nick Singleton. Good. You're Catron not going to hear anything about the receivers. <laughs> They're not very good. You don't like Cephas? I always forget. Is no, Josh or Dante? Which one is it? It's Dante. 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 It's Dante. Josh is at UTSA, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, no, we don't. I mean, p- people said that Dante Cephas was yeah, better than than uh, Tez Walker, and a lot of people have Tez Walker being a you know potential day two draft pick. No, if if, if Penn State wins, it will not be be because of their <laughs> because wide of Dante receiver. Cephas. So he's not this year's Mitchell Tinsley then, who wasn't even good last year. Yes, he's not. Um, Mitchell Tinsley hater over there. Um, Sorry. Okay, so I'm trying to get the the tears for this draft. For this, for the for the running backs in this conference, I think it's Nicholas Singleton one in a tier of his own. Um, Travion Henderson two, and then is it is it Braylon Maya Williams next. or Kate? Oh, Braylon next, yes, yeah. Okay, and then is it Maya Williams and Katron Allen, or is there somebody I'm Donovan maybe? Edwards? Oh, I would put Donovan under Braylon Allen yeah, over Mayan and. Okay, let's start this over again. Okay, <laughs> okay it, I have it. Singleton. Singleton. I, yeah. Allen. Trevion, Allen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hend- Henderson. Henderson, Allen. I think Edwards deserves to be in the conversation. Edwards deserves, to be, Edwards deserves to be in the same tier as Trevion, yeah. in my opinion. Okay. And then who's after those two? Henderson and Edwards. I think there's a tier break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's Katrin Allen. I think maybe Mayan Williams. Um, Blake Corm that's... go in there. You drop. I was going to yeah, say Blake, 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 Corm. Blake Corm's in there. Blake Corm's yeah. in there for Blake sure. Corm. Okay. And then, I mean, I don't, I don't know that you can really justify. I mean, if you want to put Dallin Hayden in there, I think you can make an argument for it, but we haven't seen him enough. I probably, he probably ends up in the next year with Caleb Johnson. Yeah. And okay. maybe Roman Hemby. Um, I think Gabe Irvin deserves to be in that tier as well, personally. The guy we haven't really? even talked about. I mean, no, he's a yeah. guy that we all liked. He's going to get the shot at Nebraska. We've seen the way those offenses can work with Matt Rule. So, was he 6'1", 2"? He's, he's NFL size, 6'1", 2'15". Yeah. 
they really still have Anthony Grant, Grant though. I don't know, man. It seems like everything pointing to Gabe Irvin being the guy, though. I mean, he's going to get yeah, that shot. I mean, I, I know he, he doesn't really have great um, long speed, but I think he's got really good burst, deadly one-cut runner. Like, I think he's going to be pretty good at Nebraska for what it's worth. Might finally it's return tough. all those shares that everybody drafted a couple of years ago. Yeah. Gabe Irvin. I did. I, yeah, I think it was yeah. Alfred who was number one on that train. If he I might have been. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. But, yeah, he's, <laughs> he hadn't done much. But he's guy is interesting. There are no secrets, I don't think, at wide receiver. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. at the top. A lot of people have Emeka Abuka at number two. But, Mox, I think it was – it's Dame – according to Dame Brugler, he has um, Malik Neighbors ahead of yeah. Emeka Abuka. I mean, I don't know how – He has I, multiple wide receivers over Mecca actually. Yeah. I – I well, I, I don't remember now. I thought he had Mecca three, but maybe not. He does have neighbors above him, which I don't agree with. I, I mean, I, I think we're all a little bit lower on neighbors than the rest of consensus in the NFL draft community and Debbie community maybe is. Um, but yeah, I mean, this conference is Ohio State wide receiver room that almost everybody else. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know who, who it is. At, I mean, is Darius Clemens at Michigan a thing? I know he had a touchdown in the spring game a year you know, ago. Cornelius, um, Cornelius Johnson. Cornelius Johnson. And I mean, they uh, still have um, Roman Wilson, who I I think is a talented player. And I think I mean I called him a I think I called him a flag plant, but Colston Loveland at Michigan, yeah, uh, you know he's he has the length and athleticism, a former wide receiver, and no competition. They've got is it Barner from Indiana who transfers over, but good, good player, a, but tight end, tight yeah. end too. But there's a possibility that the passing game and Michigan revolves around. Uh, Colston Loveland, who bought, who is a tight end, but at the spring game, they had him lining up outside at wide receiver. So if he's going to yeah, get wide receiver, I'm talking about like an X. So if he's going to get wide receiver usage, he could be, you know, a, a great fantasy asset there, Colston Loveland. Um, I think I, I'd be remiss if I did not say the name uh, Malachi Coleman. You've not followed Malachi Coleman. He's from Lincoln. He is a six foot three, six foot four, two hundred pound wide receiver, who at one point was projected to play defensive end at the next level if he put on enough weight. He doesn't, but he's an excellent, excellent athlete. You're talking about, you know, I don't know what percentage, but he's a very high end athlete. But I love the players. This reminds me of Bray- Braylon Edwards. Braylon Edwards at Michigan at Detroit. I forgot what school he went to. Um, he played defensive end, linebacker, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and then played wide receiver at Michigan. It's the same thing for Malachi Coleman. Excellent athlete, but you see him come around the edge in high school and get pick six. As a matter of fact, I think Gabe uh, – what's the what's the guy from Texas from 24-7? Is it Gabe Brooks? Yeah. Not Brooks. Yeah, yeah Brooks. Yeah, is, yeah. I, think Gabe, I think Gabe Brooks is the one who wrote his profile for 24-7, and they wrote it as if he was going to play defensive end explosive player off the edge, created sacks and stuff like that. But I love guys who are just good football players. Malachi Coleman is one. Jerion Dickey is another one. Jerion Dickey at, at Oregon played linebacker, corner, um, safety, defense, pass rusher. And he's, he's going to be a wide receiver at Oregon. Now, Jerion Dickey is more technically refined than Malachi Coleman. Malachi Coleman right now just a very athletic, fast guy. But I've grabbed him wherever I could because I like those types of players who there are so you know, we see the basketball players who get highlight dunks and stuff like that. That's fine. But per- me personally, I like the guys who are just good at football at different positions. And Malachi Coleman's one. So I would be, I gotta highlight that name. Yeah. I mean, he's 21.5 miles per hour by a recruiting team at 6'4, 190. 64190. Okay. I mean, dude, he's legit. Can play all over the well. The one thing I will say, like I I know you said Jerry on Dickey is more refined than him. I based and I know it's only one bowl game, but in the bowl games that he played, he looked like a lot better route runner than anything that was showed. It was the Polynesian bowl. He had a yeah. touchdown on two go routes. It was two go routes. That's what it was. Yeah, but he looked very good in that game overall. I, I'm not saying that D- Dickey's not better, but I think he's a lot better than maybe we gave him credit for. Again, there's nobody here at Nebraska. There's no By the way, I see these players get taken um, in kind of consecutive order. Jerion Dickey, Malachi Coleman, and Cordero Russell. 
I'm not a Cordero Russell fan. Mox, I know you just took him in our draft. Like Cordero Russell, he yeah. as a matter of fact, in the Under Armour All American game, he had a touchdown, but he double catches it. I hate I hate seeing double catch on a post. He had a post from uh it was uh Kineholds. Yes, it was sure. Kineholds. It was yeah. Kineholds. He caught a post from Kineholds, double catches it. You know, isn't that oh, yeah, he's a great athlete? He's he Russell is one of those guys who didn't play football until late in his high school career, and he's has all the dunk highlights and all of that stuff. So um, but I don't know that he's the football player of, of either Dickey or Malachi Coleman. Um, I don't know what else can we say about this conference's wide receivers. Wisconsin. Uh, Blake, he is not. He has been back at TCU for a couple weeks now. He's projected to start the season. Matthew, what's the question? So people are going Sorry, to listen Blake to this Wells, later on. For those of you listening on the podcast, as isn't Cordell Russell still recovering from his injury? He is not. He, he's been back. It may even been multiple, like three or four weeks now. He's been back. Right. It was it was a collarbone, so it was something that he was going to be ready for before the season kicked off. Uh, Mox, if we go to Maryland, you talk about Talia Tagovailoa. Caden Prather transfers from West Virginia. Tyrese Chambers transfers from what, like FIU or F- I think yep. FIU. FIU um, is there is they lose Rakeem Jarrett to the NFL. They lose Dante Demas, who, you know, some people thought was a potential first round draft pick before he had the knee injury. Should we care about Maryland's wide receiver court? I mean, Chambers was a good player at FIU. Yeah, I think Tyrese Chambers is is interesting. Honestly, the most interesting receiving option is is Corey Deitches, who is labeled as a tight end, but is really just a wide receiver playing tight end. He's like two two twenty of that. Pretty good player, and he now has a role. He was an all Big Ten, like honorable selection or whatever. Um, so he's a good, I mean, he's a good player who had like 400 plus yards last year. And they um, they lost their other tight end to Alabama in the transfer portal. So he's going to have opportunity. I mean, they don't really have a lot of, op- of a lot of returning production at the receiver position. So I think he's the most interesting option, at, especially tight end, which is a pretty thin position overall. So I like Corey Dyches. I think he's pretty good, um, but he is he he is probably not an NFL player. He's too he's too small. Uh, t- just two more. We mentioned Nebraska. We talked about Nebraska. I would be remiss if I didn't mention Xavier Betts, who is back on the. Are team. we doing this again? He's, Are we he's, doing this he again? Took all the, he took like twenty one credits or whatever to become eligible. He's back on the team. Uh, he's a player that I, I really so like. Is, so is Eric Gilbert, you know, since we're going down that route, he's also there at Nebraska. Probably. Eric Gilbert was running with like the threes in the spring game. Thomas Fedone I mean, recovered from his like five yeah, ACL tears too. Fedone, he's back as well. Thomas Fedone is back. And then Isaiah Williams at Illinois. Um, former quarterback converted to wide receiver who can run after the catch, who can return punts. I think Isaiah Williams has a future in the NFL as a – Day three slot wide receiver. So I was gonna I was gonna say that he he's gonna be a much better NFL player than he got recognition for in college. He's really good. He's really good. He's he converted. Really good he's player. converted a quarterback too. So like right. he hasn't been playing the position for that long. And yes. he's got size. He's got athleticism. I really like Isaiah Williams. I, I I like that call out a lot. Juice, juice wood. I don't know how I don't know how it is that that Illinois could have two players in the last ten years or so. Both named Juice Williams, both who play quarterback, both who are dual threats. What, but. So, so maybe, maybe I'm missing something. But what is with people with the last name Williams having Juice? <laughs> like, like why is Juice such a popular abbreviation? Like, there's a lot of Juice Williams, and then there's like there's Juice Wells at Alabama no. at, at, at South Carolina. Like, I, like there's a lot of juices. <laughs> I, I mean, you got OJ. <laughs> I, I mean. What is with all the juice? Like we talk, and then you got. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just asking questions. Somebody put it on the poll. What's with all the juices? Yes or no? Um, okay. Uh, the tight ends that matter in this league: Luke Lachey at Iowa. I just saw him taken ahead of Colston Loveland, which I think is a mistake. I'm not sure. Austin Nace um, did it in case you're looking Austin at the name did it. names. No, no. Oh, was it Austin? Okay. I think so. Okay. Luke, uh, uh, Luke Lachey at Iowa. It was, it was Colston awesome. Loveland. Those are the best tight ends in the class. And then there's um, Brevin Span Ford at Minnesota, who we already mentioned, and Malik Carr. I, I don't know that we can talk about Eric Gilbert anymore. I mean, I don't, he's not, he's not going to get drafted. 
if if you want a real sleeper, and I'm talking like real sleeper, Garrett Miller, a tight end at Purdue, is stepping into the tight end one role, um, vacated by Payne Durham. And Miller would have been playing in two tight end sets last year if it wasn't for a knee injury in fall camp. So, you know, that's... So we got quarterback Johnny Shepard at, at Rutgers and Garrett Miller tied in at Purdue. Just, yeah, I mean, these are DB... I, I haven't seen Garrett Miller drafted once either. I, I, I just think that he's going to be the tight end one in a position that was productive. Obviously, it's a new coach and, and, and everything, but, like, their wide receiver one's TJ Sheffield, who, yeah, he was a big-time media day, but he's fine. And then Jamal Edgerine, who I've seen drafted FIU transfer. is pretty productive the last couple of years, but, I mean, I don't think he's that good. So... Garrett Miller's an, if you're in a really deep league player that maybe is worth keeping an eye on, especially tight end premium or to start two tight end. I think that's the big 10. That's the big 10. We will run through these conference previews uh, here in the next few weeks. As we get closer and closer to college football starting, you're going to want to be tuned into this channel. We will start your morning off with the tailgate every Saturday morning. And then the, uh, uh, college fantasy tonight at night. I got to figure out what time we're going to go live because it's a struggle to get a group of people ready to stay up to start a show at 1130 at 11:45. Um, that's why we need to go full time. So I can, uh, you know, pay some people, bribe some people to stay up with me for college fantasy tonight. I don't know what conference we're going to cover next week. We'll cover some, we'll get Javon on here. We'll have him host the show. It'll be a good time. Make sure you tune in. Make sure you check out the Campus Canton podcast feed, the YouTube page, the website. Content is starting to wrap up. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the YouTube page and like this video. All right. That's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. You ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Chris Moxley and Matt Bruning, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. <laughs>